millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Tim came to the rescue. He brought in a tape for us, and, and we've gotten a lot of requests, so go ahead and pipe down and listen up here. From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxi, and this is ReSound. Uh, anyway, we got it, and it's nowhere else, and it was almost not here, but Tim came to the rescue. Uh, brand new stuff. Listen to this. ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sound, sound bites, and audio mixtapes we find all over the world. We listen to everything we can get our ears on, then bring you the best of what we hear each week. Uh, what's the name of this? Nirvana. Nirvana, Nirvana. Nirvana. Nirvana? Is that correct? Nirvana. Alrighty, no van. Nir- uh. When you fall in love with a piece of music, it's not just the sound that stays with you for life. It's the feel of the bulky heft of the eight track, the look of the cover art on the album, the beautifully annoying hiss of the cassette tape. These were the accoutrements of the analog age. And those of us who grew up in that amazing era can get misty-eyed at the mere thought of a brightly colored 45. And that was all well and good until the digital revolution came along and disrupted it all. Today on ReSound, a love letter to analog and the birth of digital. Before we had every song ever written available to us with the click of a mouse, well, actually, before we even had mice, we all relied on the radio. Disembodied voices talking directly to you, jaunty little jingles selling their wares, and music. The music was like fireworks exploding from the speaker and fading into your soul. In the 1970s, Mark Talbot wanted desperately to be a DJ, but those jobs were really hard to come by. So he made his own show at home and gave it to friends on audio cassettes for decades. Here is a real radio love affair called Second Side Up. Second Side Up. Second Side Up. Second Side Up. I didn't want to get married. I didn't want a house, you know, a mortgage and a car and everything like that. I wanted to become a disc jockey. A lovely cup of tea for a very bright but exceptionally cold and windy Monday the 22nd of uh, December. The portable cassette was coming out in the late 60s. I got fascinated by being able to record sound, you know. Say hello. <laughs> to who? <laughs> My mum uh, and Roy. Hi, mum and Roy. And uh, Colin, say it. I started <laughs> off talking into the microphone and copying the chap on the radio. Mm, cheery little ditty from 1974, and you've probably never heard it before and won't hear it again and didn't want to hear it in the first place. Coming up very soon. The hobby of some kind of juvenile eccentric, I think. It was just experimentation. Been in a terrible rush to get this uh, programme ready, so, uh, hold on a second. Yeah, we definitely have a problem here. Um, 
Olympics, right? I've, I've, I've not got anything organised. But I've always tried to make it as professional as possible. It is coming up to 25 past four, the afternoon, a gloomy one of Sunday, the 19th of uh, January. You probably wonder why I bother saying the time and date and that sort of thing. I do that for practice, so that if I ever make radio, then, uh, well, you know, I'll know how to do the bits and pieces. That was a final of four from 63. It made number seven. Big D.O. in, swinging on a star. The whole thing was to make it as I thought radio could be, or is, at its best. It was just a passion. Absolutely love those lyrics. Real bittersweet and sharp cutting. It was from October the 28th. Welcome then to officially a new week of music. In about August of 1978, it became Second Side Up. Welcome along to Second Side Up, the cassette radio show that is actually recorded on a cassette. Formula 90 means more music, and today we have the music of five decades, no less. Well, here and there, some of the more recent... I had a running order, not a script, just a running order of the content... And what have we got for you on the agenda, on the menu? It's an oral menu. Many, many things to get through. Too much music, too much material. I used to make tailored shows for specific listeners, like Dave and whoever. They wanted rock, and then Sue was dancing disco. If I was doing a show to my mum, it would be her music. Welcome to Side B, Mum and Roy. Nothing is uh, organised, but I'm on what's called a dead roll. Uh, that means that we'll get to the news as long as I get started now, as long as the machine will damn well cue the music, which it's refusing to. Welcome to Side B, a promise you three from 1964. I've just remembered, I think it's Mum's birthday this week. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> I can't remember your birthday, but I'll try and find the money for a card. One more for Roy. Um, I was absolutely fluent on the microphone, ad-lib and all the rest of it. I was cheeky and extrovert and very confident, not cocky. Well, did you want something a bit down-tempo now or up-tempo? Did you want something a bit country-ish and slowish? Is that what you wanted? You really wanted that, did you? Not a chance. I was sending these tapes out three or four times a week for people. Day in, day out, week, month, year on year. Mentioning names and dropping names. Hello, Sue, Sophie, Malcolm, Jack, Richard, Adrian, Dawn, Clive, Colin and John, who all made requests. And it just built up. That was for Eric. And that was for Sue, as requested by Richard. And that was for you, John. And as requested by you, Tina. This is from someone who wants to remain anonymous, Jack. Oh, sorry, I'd let it slip. At one time, I did have upwards of 40 listeners. The expenditure on tapes was horrendous. Fast coming up towards midnight, and the last day of the year is just over the horizon. Although I will be phoning you up on New Year's Day, do uh, say the same. I hope that you have yourself a nice one. Uh, here's my opportunity to actually say to you, thank you for having listened to me for the best part of the year now, and I hope you're going to stay with me as ardent fans of Second Side Up into the next year, and may it be a prosperous one for you. I'm going to be doing an all-out effort, I can tell you, to uh, get onto radio, but uh, whether that comes to fruition is yet to be seen. All I wanted to do was be on radio. But it wasn't just taking a microphone and presenting music, it was also to mix my life in between. Well, Stephen and I have had the unfortunate pleasure of having our exhaust drop off. So here we are with this awful racket on the outskirts of Plymouth. Well, we've backed fire and we sound like Thunderbird 6, you know. I mean, listen to this. Five, four, three. Didn't they just grab you? Two. Uh, oh, uh oh. One. Coppers. Careful, Steve, they're going to notice you drive. Steve, I'll get your speed up. The coppers are right behind us and they put the blue lights on as well. Here we go. Steve, you better stop. Shall I pull in? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, we got it. Here we go. I turn off your engine as well. Oh, just our sodden luck.
get your license out. I've got so much gear in here, I don't know where I left it. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, here it is. Evening. Hello, we've been a bit of big source problem. Frankly, we thought we had got away with it. Well, isn't life full of fun? I'm glad they were pretty decent about it, Mark. Yeah, so was Could I. Could have been a lot worse there. Uh, Steve, shut your window, for God's sake. There she goes, she's a heartbreaking lover. Yes, I got into all sorts of ridiculous situations because I wanted to capture something unique. I went everywhere and anywhere with a tape recorder. It was just a case of being ready for the moment. The, the show progressed, and so did I. Two tracks from Second Side Up, and it was January the 6th, 1966. Uh, before the next track, just mentioned, New Year's Eve was a complete and outrageous success. The pub was absolutely packed where I was playing the disco. By the end of the evening, at least uh, ten girls had come over on their own independent uh, accounts to say, this has just been one of the best evenings of my life and that sort of thing. I really enjoyed myself. So, like I say, it was a mega super evening on New Year's Eve. We go on with music for you for January the 7th. The year is 1965, and these are The Seekers. By the late 70s, the show had its identity, and then the 80s were the time of self-education. Here we are on the middle of a, a rainy road listening to the DLT Nutty Show, one of the best disc jockeys that the Radio 1 have got, so they better look after him. That is before I step in, of course. Uh, the weather has turned rather nasty at the moment, and the roads are rather slippery. Here we are in the pub, and uh, we're at some place called Sloop Inn, and we just had a delicious pasty, and... Um, Two halves of cider, we're a quid. I feel entirely knackered now, I've had a pint and a half. I think the bar ladies take the shine to Mark because she only charged him a quid. But like Mum, I mean, uh, no disrespect to Mum, but she's satisfied with being in the same job for I don't know how many years. I couldn't do that, I just couldn't. Yeah, well, she's a bit late. Yeah, but uh, say when she was 25, she wasn't. I mean, when she was 20, she was busy at home producing babies. She wasn't pushing for anything. But when you're talking in relation to me getting on radio, it's, if it was as easy to get on radio as to learn to drive, the competition would be terrible. It's not. It's very strict. It depends on your push. It depends how much go you've got. I mean, Christ... I was, I'm, I'm out of choice now, I'm only 20. I still reckon because I've got the go of me and all that, I could have done it at 19, no trouble. It just depends on yourself, your drive, I reckon. You're listening to Second Side Up, the cassette radio show established since 1974 with its format Formula 90, which means more music. Time and date of recording? Well, it's another one of those special outings. It's an outside broadcast for Second Side Up on behalf of Cynthia. And at this very time, we don't know where we're actually going, but I'm sure she puts her mind to it. She'll think of some way. As the years went on, the majority of my partners no. were featured in the tapes. With Cynthia, we used to go out on days out, and it was just fabulous. <laughs> We met in a nightclub, had a dance, and that was how it took off. And I can't dance. Anyway, we're at the Eight Bells now. And it looks open, but you can't tell. I wonder what sort of reception we'll get. We're going to have uh, one of my favourite artists. Here comes Smokey, and if you think you know how to love me, let's go to the pub. A breathless drive on a downtown street Motorbike ride Right, it's time for a second side-up quiz. We're in this little place with uh, well, nobody else, basically, except the barmaid. But um, there's a log fire burning. It's very romantic. And uh, here is our sound quiz for today. 
doesn't take much imagination, does it? <laughs> right, who's next? Can you read that? Andy Kim? Yeah. Lock me quietly. Quickly. Gently. Gently. <laughs> I can't... <laughs> Ain't it good, ain't it right you are with me here tonight It is long, isn't it? It goes on and on, you turn one corner and you get more rosy thatched cottages um, Thank you for moving me to one side on the pavement there Thank you to the canine that left its wrist in the car Anyway, heading back to the car Let's look through this person's front window You'd like to own something like that, would you? Mm, I would. I could just see myself living there. I'll tell you what, let's have some Let more music. Right. Well, um, uh, right, we had Andy Kim from 74, an absolute favourite of mine. This is one of your favourites. I asked you about this in the car. I know you did. Yeah. It's the L.O. with Strange Magic. Sailing softly Place, isn't it? Yes. Uh, we're quite at home then, aren't we? <laughs> in the years of our youth, in the prime time of our time. Yes. I was just saying that that pint and a half of old English. I think they spiced it up. It's gone to your head, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm all good day. <laughs> anyway, what did you want next? Uh, the carpenters with you've only just begun. We've only just begun. We've only just begun. <laughs> We've only just begun to live White lace and promises A kiss for luck and we're on our There we are, just turned up outside the school, hand in hand, Louise and Tanya. Uh, we just undo the bolt and listen to the noises they get in the car. Listen to this. We started walking, didn't we, Mum? Good. Mum! Mum! Can, um, can I go out to play, please? No. Mum? Yes. Shut for you. <laughs> I'm not holding the microphone up because he's cheating. Because I didn't want to wear it where I'd normally be told to put it. <laughs> Why do you think I'm holding it up? Because I'm recording. Your mum and I have You're been out. recording us! No, I'm not recording you. I'm recording me and your mum. And we just had the SOS band, Weekend Girl. Here come the moments. This is dedicated to you, Cynthia. Look at me, I'm in love. One of my listeners, one of my fans, sent an edition of Second Side Up to BBC Radio Oxford. The tape landed on the desk of the station's programme controller and I was invited in for an audition. This was my chance to be on radio. I knew through Second Side Up what I wanted to do, but I saw professional radio as a completely separate entity it was my sole dream in life. We went into the studio, very dimly lit. thought, this goes out to up to a million people. That was so tantalising. How I wanted to just, you know, get on there. Then they showed me the tech-op room where they repair equipment and what have you. I thought, oh, blimey. This is what I want. This is it. I was physically quaking, literally shaking with excitement. I was also nervous about how I was going to perform. You know, self-consciousness is not a good thing. I went in like a bag of nerves and completely screwed it up. 
regrettably. That was a pivotal moment. It, 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 who knows where I might have gone, but I, I never returned to it. Instead, I really immersed myself in Second Side Up. It didn't matter to me whatsoever that I was spending every free minute that I had in my life towards what I actually loved. Mum and Roy, welcome along. Nice to be with you. And as we enter into the music, let me tell you, we've got an exceptionally busy show, a great cross-section of the music from, well, this week in years past. From the dark end of the street. Which is what you want. Yeah, but if you go Broadway, you come out a Grenadine. Yeah, well, it wasn't before you turned, was it? Anyway, where were we? Hello, someone wants to stay, so I just made a detour. Are you sure? Right, slightly overweight, the door, door opens. Hello. Hello. Well, give us a kiss then. He's barking. Oh, is she? Yes. Say hello to Uncle Mark. Hello. Yes, it is, look. This is a 36 The Homestead Inside broadcast. Inside Sue's bathroom here. Yeah. Barking Sue's dog with the most bloodiest dog in the whole wide world. Yeah, what are you doing, Sue? A nice view up here. We ought to do one of these every day off. Then you'd end up with a nice little collection of like second side up outside broadcasts. That's all right. Give me a kiss, I, I've been close to getting married and what have you, but the thing is, I've always been a bit of a um, a sort of, uh, how can I put it, civilised vagrant. I've just gone the way the wind blows. Today it is just turned ten past five on the afternoon of this, the Thursday uh, 30th of uh, January, and a very busy programme for you. Uh, when I was shopping, doing my groceries a couple of days ago on Tuesday, I was just walking past the tills and somebody went, Hey, Mark, Mark. And I went over and I knew this face and I thought, who is this young lad? Well, my last relationship was with Synth and her youngest son, who was 12, was Colin. And that was him. And he's like a foot taller in just these past three years. I said to him, you know, how's your mum doing? And he said, oh, she'll be married soon. You know, she's met somebody else since uh, I split up with her and they're getting married. But anyway, we finished the conversation. I only stayed for 60 seconds. And just as I walked away, he called me back. He said, I've got to say something, Mark. I said, what? And he pointed, he prodded at my stomach through my coat. Yeah, he said, "You've put a lot of weight on," and it, was, it really sort of made me feel old. You know, now that I'm forty this year, it just really dawns on you the big four O. You know, uh, it's probably I, I can't imagine somebody of my caliber, you know, my character, sort of growing old gracefully. So far, no wrinkles, no grey hairs. You know, no, no double chins, and look, I don't eat properly, I don't sleep properly, I don't live properly, I don't exercise, and I smoke. I'm doing all right, aren't I? A warm welcome to Late Night Broadcasting here from Second Side Up. I'm your intimate friend, your friend through the microphone, through your speaker and into your ear. Uh, I was just sitting here thinking it would be so nice to have a phone in. If I could throw out a competition, if I was broadcasting, you know, in real time, and, and just get people, they could keep me company. You know, instead of me sat here talking to myself, which you've got to trust that I don't absolutely enjoy. Um, it's known that someone else is there. You know, it, it's like holding a phone call and the person isn't responding. But then they come back a week later and say, yeah, 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 I agree, it was a great show. I love your music. Here's another one for you. Hello, Colin? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you sound like you're in a toilet or something, Mark. All I'm doing at the moment is holding the microphone up to the telephone. Telephone, oh, right, yeah. And I'm listening to you over headphones. Yeah. Complicated affair. So, uh, do you want to pop around this evening? Um, I'm going to Newbury tonight, because I've got to go and do some work what? down there. Where's Jenny? Uh, Jenny's at home. Well, you could always drop her off here and pick her up when you've finished. <laughs> I'm serious. All right, OK. Well, if I you... thought you'd be in procedure for No, I'm not. If, okay. if you want to... Uh, you know, give us yeah. some company. Yeah. Um, how about... 
If she wants to spend a couple of hours with me, I can stick okay. her back on the right bus. I mean, it's up to you, chaps. Oh, it's not a problem. I can always. Pick I wouldn't her mind the back, company. So, uh, all right, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll um, definitely give you a call uh, one way or the other later on. That'd be really nice. I want to be a partner, can't you By the 90s, both the programme and myself had reached the crescendo moment, I think. As the 90s wore on, I can't really explain why, I became more cooped up indoors. And at the same time, the cassette format died a death. My established audience, my listenership, as they were making that transition over to digital they didn't listen to the show as much. You know, that did hurt. After having done thousands of shows, which I must have done, it just wound down. I think that everything runs its course. Everything in life. Whether it's a relationship or your own lifespan, it has a beginning, a middle and an end. Or you may take a break. You know, you come to a roundabout and you go off and it takes you away. But the next roundabout will take you back to it. Three seconds. (laughs) (laughs) You are very, very attractive. Would you like to elaborate? Yes, you're saying that with gleaming eyes. Okay. Ah, my head's swelling now. Lovely. Established since 1974, this is the cassette radio show, Second Side Out, where format Formula 90 means much more music and entertainment. It's five past nine, the evening of uh, Wednesday, the 7th of December, 2011. And uh, it's Mark and my own. Say hello. Hi. Omar. (laughs) Omar. Back with you in four minutes. In 2011, I met Mae Young. She was a nuclear scientist, highly super intelligent, multi-talented and everything. And so I sat down to produce Second Side Up again. Um, We've actually been doing a lot of these tapes lately, haven't we? It had been years since I'd done it. And it's funny, you can ride the bike, but you're a bit more wobbly. But I really, really enjoyed it. And she was fabulous. She was just natural. Uh, thank you very much for your company. Thank you for being my studio guest. Thank you, Dad and Omar. Omar, which is uh, Korean for... Mom means Omar. What's Dad, then? Abba. Abba. Yes. They're a famous Swedish group. <laughs> you always you are teaching me. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'll let you get on with your decapage and uh, we'll listen to some music. Would you like that? Yes, I love it. You, you like my music, do you? Yes. You like disco music? Yes. And ballads, which are love songs, yes? Yes. You know, especially I love your voice. Can, shall we shut up now? Are you going to shut up? Why are you standing up? I've finished. Goodbye. Welcome, this is Second Side Up, where format Formula 90 means much more music and entertainment, or it will when you've come out of the toilet. Time date of recording, just coming up to 8.15 on the uh, Tuesday 6th of December 2011. Regrettably, it's only a week away or so when you actually return to Korea. And, of course, the impetus behind all it... He's just flushed the toilet. You just flushed the toilet. Um, behind all this is, uh, of course, you want some music. So uh, you've joined us, have you? Yeah. Next uh, Wednesday, I have to go to Korea. Yeah. And you won't be back till when? Uh, next year, 8th of June. Got to go away for six months. Yes. Sounds like a prison sentence. We'll be back after this. When we were at Luton Airport, where she went out from, we even took 
two sleeping bags and we slept on the floor in the waiting area. When she's at the barrier and we're going to say goodbye, you know, cry, 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 I don't want to go, Mark, I don't want to leave. It was dreadful. It was all tears and everything. And then when she went up into the area above where I couldn't see her, I even went out into the car park to look up to see if I could see her through the window, but all the windows were up by the roof, so she couldn't stand on a chair even. For two months after my young left, we often had Skype on for 24 hours a day. <sighs> it's like a bereavement, but you can see the person there in front of you. Within a matter of a couple of weeks, our relationship just completely dissolved. One day, we were having some stupid spat, and from the moment we turned off, I never heard from her again. I know at least two, three hundred songs straight away about absolute, total, pitiful heartbreak and how you don't want to break up with them, that you're in love with them and, and all that sort of thing. And I've had a number of relationships over the years where I was absolutely in tears and pulled apart and, and broken. And what I used to do was I'd sit down and I'd do second side up. 25 pieces of music about the heartbreak of a broken heart and relationship. But when Myung went back to South Korea, there was no one else I felt that I wanted to do the tapes for. So the show went back into storage again. You see, I sold all of the equipment... I sold everything, my real reels, mixers, microphones, tape decks. I just sold them. It was collecting dust. The equipment's one thing, that's replaceable. The tapes aren't. And they were the last thing to go. So I stacked them all on Gumtree. AD, ED, Ferrochrome, Chrome, come get it, pound each. You know, you can look back with a certain amount of grievance. It's like the death of a, a friend or a family member but I don't think there could ever be a final episode. It doesn't exist, because it's a part of me. So you don't say goodbye to something that's within you. Second Side Up was produced by David Waters with Robbie McInnes and Francesca Panetta for Between the Ears on BBC Radio 3. Coming up after the break, what happened when music went digital and an ode to the beautiful, bygone mixtape. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. Today, we wax nostalgic about the days of analog music, then deep dive into the birth of digital. And of course, you can't talk about analog music without saluting the great electronic love letter, the mixtape. 
Mixtapes were calling cards, works of art, hopeful bursts of passion waiting breathlessly to be requited. But after the romance is over, what happens to these talismans of ardor? Here is Cassette from My Ex. I'm sticking with you Cause I'm made out of glue I think it's really important to put a title myself. I mean, I think it's kind of a cop-out <laughs> to not put a title. You know, it's almost like I'm going to let you figure out how to read this thing, you know, as opposed to being, like, a little bit more bold and confident and saying, this is what it is. Maybe, like, a special saying that you have, it forms an extra dialogue, something that you would say to each other, like, pinky hold. The cassette which I received is scissors and snare drums. Sleepyhead Fiona. Names that you choose oftentimes refer to the time period in which you've given it to them. Christmas mix, 12, 26, 97. Oxford, England mix. Sounds how you like it. I would say the naming that cassette, most of the time, it sums up the entire reason one is giving it. I woke up on the morning of my 20th birthday. My boyfriend was standing in my room. There was breakfast on a tray and a mixtape that said, good morning, you're 20. Back in high school, I had these toenails that were just awful. And so I would spend a lot of time after school soaking my feet in Epsom salt. And so my then-girlfriend gave me this tape. It was called Music to Soak Your Toes To. You know, and I thought that was very sweet. My girlfriend, I remember giving her a cassette, and it probably has one of the worst cassette titles ever in obvious titles, which is Music for a Hot Summer Night. <laughs> And, um, you know, yeah, I probably didn't think that title out as clearly as I should have. But it worked, and I'm still with her. What were the skies like when you were young? Making the artwork was something that I was obsessed with. I mean, I would never give a tape that didn't have artwork. It was just, like, shameful. I think, like the title, the artwork is also showing how much time and energy someone has put into this. I personally love the Sharpie. I think the Sharpie is a cassette standby. I think that that's what's missing. Maybe you have a blue and a black and a red. Take images from magazines and make collages and whatnot. A five fold-out card with little stickers attached. And they would often get so thick you couldn't even put them back in the tape. Glitter. I remember getting glitter on mixtapes. Wow, this person really cares and really spent a lot of time. I think I remember wrapping one in foil and just totally ruining the tape, like demagnetizing the tape because I was using metal aluminum foil. But I guess what I find most endearing about the tapes I've received over the years is just how awful the artwork is. And so that in itself made, you know, the artwork sort of precious to me because... Well, you know, it's all about the effort. There's a lot of directions that you can go with your artwork. So by doing no artwork, total cop-out, and uh, you may as well not be given a tape. Purple and red. That was an excerpt from Cassette from My Ex, produced by Joe Dassault for WBEZ Chicago in 2010. In a few years, your turntable may be gathering dust in the corner next to that old stack of albums. Instead, you'll listen to the latest hits on a compact disc player. Cassette tapes and vinyl are now just so many additions to the scrap heap of audio detritus, along with Walkmans, transistors, and 45s. They were all pushed out by the new kids strutting into town, digital audio. Fast and flashy, it changed the way we listen. It also wiped out tape hiss. And it altered time, as musician and writer Damon Krakowski explains in his series, Ways of Hearing. The first record I made was all analog. It wasn't a choice. That's just how it was done in the 80s. My friends and I lived in an all-analog world. There were no computers in our lives. That didn't feel weird. It would have been weird if there had been. At the time, computers were something you saw on TV during a moonshot. You saw people sitting at computers at NASA Mission Control. Making a record wasn't anything like a moonshot. It didn't use numbers. It didn't use data. Not that there was no technology involved. The tape decks, mixing board, microphones, they all seemed very magical. 
But they were made of magnets, gears, motors, electricity, like all the mechanical objects in our lives then. And so my bandmates and I set up our instruments in the studio, we counted off, and we played our songs. In many ways, it's simply nostalgia to think that it was so different. People are people, sounds are sounds, and our technology is always changing. Still, there's something particular about that analog experience which seems hard to conjure back up in the digital present. And for that very reason, it feels important to try. In that analog studio, there was a feeling when the tape started rolling that this was the moment we would capture, a feeling of time moving both more slowly and more quickly than usual. Like when you're in an accident, each split second is suddenly so palpable as if you're living in slow motion. Yet what do we say when it's over? It all happened in an instant. Analog recording is like an accident in other ways. On tape, there was no undo. You could try again if you had the time and money. But you couldn't move backwards. What's done is done, for better and worse. Today, life as a musician is very different. In the digital studio, and I'm using one now, everything you do is provisional. That is, it can be redone, reshaped, rebuilt. There's no commitment, because each element of a recording can be endlessly changed. It can even be conjured from digital scratch, as it were, and entered into a computer directly as data, without anyone performing at all. This means there's no moment from lived experience that is captured forever, and unalterably so, in the digital studio. Which is why it's more than nostalgia that makes me remember the analog studio as different than what we know today. Because the digital era has not just altered our tools for working with sound, or image, or moving images, it is changing our relationship to time itself. Musicians know time is flexible. Classical players call this tempo rubato, Italian for stolen time. You steal a bit here, give a bit back there. Jazz players call it swing. Rock and funk players call it groove. This flexibility of time is something we're all familiar with, whether or not we play an instrument. There's the time it takes for dawn to arrive while you lay awake after a nightmare. And there's the time it takes when you're out all night with your friends. What musicians' terms like rubato, swing, and groove acknowledge is that time is experienced, not counted like a clock. And our experience of time is variable. It's always changing. Even if our eyes look at a clock and see 12 equal hours, our ears are ready to steal a bit here, give a bit back there. And the analog media we use to reproduce sound, records and tapes, reflect this variable sense of time, a time that's elastic. The first turntables, Victrolas, were hand-cranked. You wound up a spring which spun the platter as it wound down. The speed was hardly steady, at least never for long. At the opposite end of the 20th century, hip-hop DJs used speed controls on turntables to change the tempo of a record, to match it to another and keep the groove going, or, in the studio, to pile up samples from older records and make a new one. 
1990, a tribe called Quest sampled the bass from Walk on the Wild Side, along with the surface noise from the LP, added it to a drum loop from Alani Smith LP, and made a new hit out of it. They also had to give up on collecting any royalties. One of the biggest samples that we were able to clear was the Walk on the Wild Side by Lou Reed. And, and by clearing that, he just took 100% of that song. Wait, really? He did. <laughs> well, Wait, you're saying Lou Reed gets 100%? That's Ali Shaheed Muhammad from A Tribe Called Quest and Franny Kelly. They host a podcast about hip-hop called Microphone Check. Yeah, that's, that's his song. Ali, I always thought, you know, my band, Galaxy 500, we ripped off the Velvet Underground way more than you did. <laughs> and we, we didn't have to pay them a dime. I asked Ali how Tribe used the variable speed of turntables to make their own records. No, sometimes we would change the speed on a turntable because the staple hip-hop turntable is the Techniques 1200, and so that has a pitch control. We would sometimes pitch it high there, sometimes a 33 RPM record. You put it on 45. And one thing with Tribe, we layered certain sounds and so you kind of had to pitch them because often they weren't in the same key. Layering these sounds, a tribe called Quest discovered something else about their samples. The records we were recording, they might not have been playing to a metronome and it was free-flowing, so there are moments within, let's say, even a two-bar phrase that maybe a drummer or a bass player like were aligned in the first two bars and the tempo seemed to be consistent, and then the, the last three beats of a bar, it sped up or slowed down. In 1988, the songs my bandmates and I recorded slowed down and sped up, just like Ali Shaheed described. I know, because I was the drummer. We played as steadily as we could, but this was a performance. We were nervous and excited, and we sped up at the chorus. You might find that a flaw in our recordings, or you might feel it's a part of their charm. Musicians have been speeding up at the chorus for as long, I'm sure, as there have been choruses. Our experience of time is flexible. But not long after we recorded that first Galaxy 500 album, the commercial music world, for the most part, decided that this was most definitely a flaw. Bands on major labels, even bands who came out of our DIY indie scene, started recording to a click track, that is, a metronome. Fashions in music come and go. At the time, everyone was also using the swirling effect called a flanger. No one remembers why. But the click track proved more than a fad. It was a change that stuck. Because what truly changed in popular music during the 1980s was that digital machines entered the mix for the first time. And machines have a different sense of time. The first drum machines to be widely used in commercial recordings were introduced in 1980. And MIDI... Musical Instrument Digital Interface, the language machines use to share musical information with one another, was launched in 1983. Together, these tools can lock musical time to a clock, which doesn't speed up at the chorus. When Galaxy 500 recorded, we played our songs in what audio engineers now refer to as real time. Real time, as the name implies, is lived time, time as we experience it in the analog world. Digital time is not lived time. It's machine time. It's locked to a clock. And that clock, a time code, makes everything more regular than lived time. Time in the digital studio is stored in discrete cells on a grid, like figures on a spreadsheet. And if you've ever worked with a spreadsheet, you know those cells can be sorted any which way and refigured to most any desired outcome. 
What this means is that a given experience of digital time is only one among many equally plausible experiences. Take this podcast you're listening to. Since this is a digital medium, you could choose to hurry me up without changing the pitch of my voice, seemingly without changing any of my words or pronunciation, which means I can be equally fast, speaking at 1.5 times my normal pace, like I'm manic, or... I can be equally slow, speaking at three-quarters normal pace, like I'm drunk. Neither need be how this happened in real time. In fact, none of this need ever have happened, in the sense that we understood that term in 1988. That's a track made entirely by software. The singer is a program made by Yamaha called Vocaloid. Vocaloid tracks have been cropping up on the Japanese pop charts for a number of years and are now making their way into other forms of music around the world. As for podcasts, Adobe is developing a program called Voco that will read text aloud for you in your own voice. What could possibly go wrong? Making time conform to machines, making it regular would seem to make it more unified, like a standardized timeline that any of us can tap into at any moment. But there's a surprising twist to digital time. It's actually very difficult to synchronize. It's a challenge in digital recording to line up the different layers that make up a song. If you play a guitar into a digital recorder and then play it back and add singing, your voice won't line up with the music exactly the way you performed it. The reason is what's called latency. Latency is the lag in digital communications introduced by the time it takes a computer to process them. Computers move very fast. That's what computers are good at. But analog time, it seems, moves faster. Let's consider an example from outside music. That's the radio voice of the Boston Red Sox, Joe Castiglione. I don't have a signature home run call because all the good ones would take it. Mel Allen going, going, gone. Bye bye, baby. Russ Hodges. At times I've used forget about it because you know it's gone. Some fans didn't like that. So we don't forget about it. It's a big home run. The role of the broadcaster is to describe. uh, what you see and what is happening as it happens. That's why we broadcast in the present tense. Spider deals and it's in there for a call strike. Uh, you can't be too soon. Anticipate because you can get burned that way. Sometimes the ball doesn't carry as far as you think it's going to, or sometimes it carries farther. You can always tell if a broadcast is behind the action. If the crowd's cheering and you're still building up to what's happening, you have to be quick. You have to be current. You have to be right on time. Joe is such an important voice here in Boston. It used to be common practice to watch baseball games on TV, but with the sound off and the radio on. So we could watch the game, but listen to Joe. And then a strange thing happened. On June 12, 2009, Joe started calling the plays before we saw them on TV. That's because on that day, every TV station in the U.S. switched from analog to digital transmission. And that lag in the digital television image, the gap between it and the real time of the game, as Joe was calling it, that is latency. It takes time for computers to translate the world into data. And translating data to analog so we can perceive it slows things down. Enough to put the tag after the call by Joe Castiglione. Tucker's throw through in time and he's out. There was an old saying in radio, when you read it, it's history. When you hear it, it's news. And we're ahead of the satellite picture on TV, so we are first. And I think the immediacy of radio is something that uh, is so critical and so germane to it. Back before digital broadcast, that immediacy was audible in the city. You always knew when there was a home run at Fenway because you heard a simultaneous collective cheer all around Boston from every open window and passing car. Can you believe it? Today, 
Those shouts are staggered. We get a splattering of cheers, like scatter points on a graph. That's because latency is different, slightly different, but different, on each digital device receiving its own particular stream of digital information. Professional music producers and engineers in the digital studio worry about latency all the time. The lag it introduces can be very, very small, and yet it's always there, and always threatening to knock the different layers of a song out of sync with one another. If a young drummer today manages to cast a wide net around the beat, perhaps that's not so different from my own speeding up and slowing down on Galaxy 500 recordings. It may be a flaw, or it may be part of the charm. Yet there's something very distinct about an experience of analog time, time that flexes slower and quicker. Tempo rubato. And this feeling of blurred time from latency. For one, I can't think of a musical term for latency. Perhaps because it's not like anything we experience in lived time. However, this experience of latency is typical of life online. For all our seemingly instant and global digital communications, life online is in practice filled with chronological confusions. Social media like Facebook and Twitter shuffle posts according to various algorithms, most obviously popularity. The net result being that yesterday's news bulletin can interrupt today's string of think pieces about it. Texting, too, is often tripped up by crossed posts or missed posts or abrupt silences, followed by ten bings in a row. Temporal hiccups in information exchange that would never happen face-to-face. In conversation, in real analog time, we can gauge reaction to our statements before anything further is said. We can pause without lapsing into silence, and we can fall silent without ending the conversation. Digital time is time designed for machines. We benefit in all kinds of ways from the convenience that makes possible. But those conveniences come at a sacrifice. Because when we trade broadcast for podcast, we give up the opportunity to experience time together in the same instant through our media. And when we trade real time for machine time in music, we lose the ability to share our individual timing with one another. Musicians use rubato, swing, and groove to move us together, not locked to a machine, but to one another. Analog time is flexible but unified. We share it so easily, without tinkering with technology, without even thinking about it. Maybe that's why we seem to be surrendering it so quickly. But without it, it's harder to share a moment in time together. Like those moments I once shared with my bandmates in a recording studio, in a particular place at a particular time, on West Broadway, just south of Canal, in New York City, 1988. Ways of Hearing, episode number one, Time, was produced by Damon Krakowski, Max Larkin, and Ian Koss for Radiotopia's Showcase. Now we know that the change from analog to digital sound bends time just enough to change our listening experience. But while it went underground for a while, it turns out analog never really went away. LPs are as popular as ever, and rumor has it cassettes may be making a comeback. Around here, beautiful audio could be on a thumb drive, SoundCloud, or a Victrola. Sound always sounds good to us. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxi. The program is produced by Dennis Funk and curated by Johanna Zorn and Maya Goldberg-Safer. Isabel Vasquez is our production assistant. 
Music featured on ReSound is provided by Patient Sounds, a private press record label and book publisher based in Chicago. You can find a track list for this episode along with links to songs from the Patient Sounds catalog at thirdcoastfestival.org. While on our website, you can re-listen to today's program, check out more than 2,000 outstanding documentaries from around the world, and subscribe to our podcast. Support for ReSound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myemma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agadino Foundation, the Menaki Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival, now an independent arts organization, was originally founded at WBEZ Chicago. Want to stay up to date on the latest Third Coast happenings? Follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or subscribe to our newsletter at thirdcoastfestival.org. With so much to listen to and so little time, Resound. All diamonds, no rough. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.